What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. First and foremost, I do want to mention that there was no mailback episode last uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, last week. Um, Due to technical difficulties with the recording process, like, I recorded the entire episode go to upload it to Anchor, actually recorded it within Anchor, go to publish it, and I'm listening to it, there was no audio. Go back and check, mic's on, everything, try to record it a second time, there's no audio. Audio's not picking up, so uh, had to reboot, uh, sign out, sign in, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just decided, you know, say the heck with it, push everything back a week. Um, so this Sunday will be a double uh, mailbag episode. Not not double as in there'll be two, but there will be an ex- it'll be an extended edition uh, because we will be answering the questions from last week's episode as well as the ones that uh, we get this week and already have a couple that have been sent in uh, via Twitter DM. And as always, that you can send in your mailbag questions uh, multiple ways. Uh, first way is via email. Contact at lacrossebucket.com is the email you can send that to. And then also on Twitter at lacrossebucket. My personal Twitter at Tanner underscore Demlin as well as Instagram and Facebook at Lacrosse Bucket. Send in all your mailbag questions via those mediums. And you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform y'all are listening to this on. Apple Podcast. If you are on Apple, leave a five-star review. Google Podcast, Spotify, and a ton of other ones that I honestly had no clue existed, um, (laughs) to be frank with y'all. But let's get into things. Uh, Today is the start of our conference preview series. Each week I'll go over two conferences for the next, what, five weeks or something like that. Um, Because I think I have it set up so it'll extend, I think, into January. Um, Maybe like the first week of January. Because uh, I'm expecting schedules to start coming out then. Reminder, we have no schedules out yet. Besides, uh, publicly out, I should say. Besides Stony Brook's conference schedule. Uh, the American East, the NEC, both have sent those schools conference schedules. Um, and I do want to kind of drop a little nugget here. Um, there are two conferences... I'm not at liberty to say which two, but there are two conferences that if you go to their website right now and look at the teams that play men's lacrosse, they will look much different in during the season. I'll say that. Um, the way things sit in two conferences are not going to be the way things sit in February, in March, when the season starts. 
you know, take that what you will. Um, run many, many different rabbit holes you can run down there. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, then you <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, for those of y'all who don't know, um, you will feel free to go down a rabbit hole with this. Uh, but things will be coming out soon, sooner rather than later. Uh, just like schedules, as I keep telling y'all, as I wait schedules to come out. But, let's get into this thing here. Previewing the ACC. So, for the ACC and the Big Ten, I will be breaking down each team, kind of team by team. Uh, I, won't, I won't do that for every conference, but the ACC and the Big Ten demand respect, and they deserve much more attention and analysis. So, I will be breaking down all five teams of six teams in the Big Ten's case, on those two conferences. The other conferences, I will be kind of identifying a top two or three contenders, breaking them down, and then from there, uh, we'll provide a more brief summary of the bottom half of those conferences. Uh, So let's get started here with Duke and the Blue Devils who are the, and dare I say this, in December. Is it December? Yeah, it's December. Dare I say this in December? They're the national title favorites. Duke Blue Devils. National title favorites. Uh, Michael Sowers going to win the Tarleton this year. Transferring in from Princeton. He was the Tarleton favorite last year taking his extra year of eligibility uh, to Durham, where he will be suiting up for the Blue Devils this uh, spring, almost at fall, this spring. He joins an offense. You know, obviously, he's going to be the, the face of this offense. You know, he is the guy that they've missed, um, that QB attack man that Jordan Wolf was, that they haven't quite had since. Um, he joins an elite offense, I would call it, um, with Dyson Williams and Joe Robertson being at the attack spot. Now you got, you know, and, and then they also have you know, this midfield. Um, the, the midfield last year was very much in flux. Um, they never quite settled on a... Uh, first, second, third line. I mean, they were changing shifts uh, like crazy out there. And I think the, 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 the bad thing for Duke was I think they were figuring things out. I think stuff, like it was starting to click right when the season uh, got shut down. Because I honestly think if they would have, if the season would have played out, I think Duke probably, I mean, I don't think they would have won the title. I don't think they were, um, I don't know if they had that kind of ability last year, uh, but I do think if the season would have played out, they would have been much better, and they would have at least made the quarterfinals, uh, maybe a championship weekend appearance. But um, you know what? You know what would they have done? That I don't know. Um, you no, know, Dyson Williams as a freshman was the leading uh, goal scorer last season, uh, so we'll see uh, how he does. And then you, uh, as a sophomore, hopefully he can avoid that sophomore slump. 
Uh, he had 24 goals, four assists, so 28 points last season. Uh, Joe Robertson is coming back off of that. I believe it was an ACL tear. Uh, he had a stellar sophomore year in 20, what that, in 2019. So he's expected to bounce back in 2021. And then you know, at the midfield spot, you have Owen Caputo, Nakai Montgomery, and Cameron uh, Bador, who looked to, and no, they looked to kind of finish out a a very, very stellar, um, a very stellar offensive unit. Uh, Caputo was the second leading scorer on the on uh, for Duke last season. Uh, we know what Bador can do, and we know what Montgomery is. Um, and then to to have all of this. And that's just the starters, like uh, the projected starters, I would say. Um, this team is deep. Like they are deep, 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 I would say. And puts plug Sowers in to what they had last year. Put, you know, make a Joe Robertson healthy. And I don't think you can stop that team. And I don't think you're going to be able to stop them this year either. Sowers, he can bone you with his speed. He can, he's one of the best passers in the game. So, you know, and you saw defenses would have to respect him. Um, you know, who are you going to guard, Michael Sowers or Dyson Williams? Are uh, you going to slide off of Williams to Sowers and then let him, you know, dump it cross crease to the back pipe? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that, that's what you're going to have to do. And so, you know, Nakai Montgomery, uh, his passing ability, just talk about vision and, and IQ and how he's just shot up as a passer um, in his, his career. I mean, he had seven goals, five assists last year, and his passing ability wasn't, you know, on full display in 2019 or 2018 as a freshman or sophomore, uh, but, you know, you really saw it come to light in that quarterfinal game against Notre Dame uh, in I mean, 2019. Um, and you, know, you saw that, and then you saw this year, him, he had 12 points, and it was more even. He was more of a dodger and a shooter in his first two years until that, that, that game against the Irish. And you know, I think he had, what, five assists or something like that? I mean, you have, a, you have an elite passer, at X behind the cage, you have a uh, I wouldn't call Nakai a elite passer. He's an elite playmaker though. Up top at the midfield in Montgomery, and then you have all these pieces, all these pieces that can play off ball. That I mean, th- this 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 offense is just it, it's just stellar, and I haven't even mentioned. All of the guys, like everybody else, they have. Um, so Joey Manown, attackman. Riley Walsh, attackman. Uh, then Sean Lowry, he's an attackman and midfielder. And then Trey Lindsey, Kevin Quigley, Brian Smith, all back for an extra year. All back for an extra year. I mean, this is an offense that could play. I mean, they can go two, three lines deep and still have success, still be a top-tier quality offense. And, oh, yeah, they got this kid named Brennan O'Neill coming in. Don't know if you've heard about him. 
number one player in the country. Um, being compared to John Grant Jr., Gary Gate. I mean, I think, and I was joking with someone the other day, I was like, you know, they could redshirt him, and it wouldn't matter. Like, I, honestly, if they could redshirt him, it, would, it wouldn't matter. I don't think they're going to do so. He's such a such an elite talent. Um, you know, he's an alone underneath Michael Sowers, and, I mean, that's just, I mean, Duke, this team's set at the offense for, for two, three years down the road. Um, defensively, you know, I do have some worries about Duke. Um, I think, I was looking at the stats today, I don't have it in front of me, but I think they were, like, near the bottom in the ACC in terms of goals allowed um, last season. Um but I, I do. I don't have as much faith in Duke. I really don't have much faith in any uh, ACC defense this year besides Syracuse. Um, outside of Syracuse, I don't have faith that any defense can really be on night to night. Duke. I mean, they have talent. Um, JT Giles Harris obviously is coming back for fifth year. Total Upgren is back for sixth year. He had no around 50% safe percentage. He's been solid. Um, and they also get Mike Adler uh, in cage. He had a 59% safe percentage last season. Has been one of the most efficient goalies in D1. He transfers in from St. Joseph's. So that goalie situation, I'm very, very fond of. I'm very fond of JT Giles Harris. I think he can be the leader on this back end. Um, again, in 2021, he seemed to be doing that last year. I think he can do that again this year. Uh, you know, he had, he led the Blue Devils and caused turnovers, had 13, and then ground balls had 20, had 21 during the 2020 season. Um, they also have sophomore Kenny Brower has, you know, shown a lot of growth. Uh, LSM Tyler, Tyler Carpenter has shown um, a lot of growth as well. Both those guys are sophomores. Walker Scaglione is back for the fifth season. He's a pole that uh, probably should get starting time this year again. And then, you know, one of the big things for Duke is is the faceoff dot. And they haven't had a ton of success there recently. Um, Jordan Ginder was solid last year as a sophomore, um, but they also add freshman Jake Nasso, who's uh, coming in from St. Anthony on Long Island. I was absolute stud in high school, went 80% uh, his junior year. Didn't, obviously didn't have a spring season last year. Holy Cross grad transfer Dan O'Connell is also uh, in Durham now. Uh, he was a, a solid guy uh, at Holy Cross in the Patriot League, uh, going 66%. So you have Gender, uh, O'Connell, and then we'll see how NASA uh, translates to the college game. But, I mean, that's a pretty solid face-off unit there. So, I think the two for Duke, obviously the offense is, is the talk of the town, but I'm really excited about uh, these the specialist positions they have uh, with two solid options in cage and then a couple solid options at the face-off dot. We'll see, think, we'll see how things shake out. But, you know, I do think Duke – uh, will win the uh, ACC. I think they will win a national title uh, this year. I just don't see anybody uh, beating them, to, to be honest with y'all. Um, and staying on Tobacco Road, we head over to uh, 
uh, Chapel Hill, where the Carolina Tar Heels, you know, they haven't been the most consistent program um, in the ACC. You know, they've gone eight and eight, and you know they went eight and eight after that national title season. Uh, they went seven and seven in 2018 and eight and seven in 2019. Uh, but last year, you know, they they get they get uh, Chris Gray, and he changes that offense. Uh, and I think that's that kind of you know stroke of lightning they needed um, to get you know Chris Gray in there to get this. And look, they've had a lot of young guys over the past couple of seasons that have really contributed. Last year, I think a mix of Gray coming in as well as these guys maturing, it was, uh, you know, it what you know was it coincidence that those two things met at the same time? Probably, but those two things meeting, Gray coming in, and a lot of these young guys growing up. Um, they met, I mean, it was just perfect timing, and they were 7-0 last year, uh, which included a Denver win. Uh, people always asked me, like, UNC or Georgetown were the two, like, outside of the, I think Cornell and Princeton were undefeated, but uh, UNC and Georgetown were the most underrated, uh, undefeated teams last year. And people always, always ask me, you know, they were scheduled to play uh, the week that everything got shut down. And people always ask me, you know, who do you think would have won that? I mean, nine times out of ten, it's UNC. Um, just because I think they're a better team talent-wise. And that talent, as I mentioned, starts on the offensive end. Uh, you know, Chris Gray is, is back. I mean, he just highlights a, a high-flying offense there. Uh, Nikki Solomon, uh, Brian Cameron. Uh, Alex Trippy is back as well. Um, and then I don't know. I haven't seen who all's coming back for fifth year, but I know they're working on some guys getting back. Uh, but with Chris Gray leading this offense, um, and then also you now they get Princeton grad transfer, Connor McCarthy coming in as well. Uh, Nikki Solomon should see him have another solid season. Uh, Brian Cameron as well. Uh, have another solid season at the attack spot. Uh, you know this midfield. I depending on who they bring back, I'm a little wary of, but I don't know that they need that much at the midfield with a guy like Gray who can, uh, he's, you know, much like Sowers can beat you multiple multiple ways, passing ability, speed, and you know, he's not he's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. But he plays smart lacrosse. He knows how to use his body, use his angles uh, to get open and things of that nature. So uh, we'll see how he does in year two in Carolina Blue. Uh, you know, I think I wrote back in May or June that this could, this, this could be the year of Tobacco Road where we could possibly see both Duke and UNC on championship weekend um, because of these offenses that they have. On the back end for the Carolina Tall Heels, um, defense has not been great for them. And we saw an uptick last year, but again, the only really big win they had was against Denver. And, you know, Will Bowen, he's coming back, and he's the number one guy. Uh, You know, had a stellar season as a redshirt sophomore, 
Uh, so me as a redshirt freshman last year, will be a redshirt sophomore here in 2021. He had a stellar season last year, really broke out. You know, he was injured as a freshman, bounces back, has a stellar season, was really, was really kind of the leader on that back end. Um, so with him there, I'm confident that this is a defense that can have success. You know, Parker Alexander is a short-stick defensive midfielder who, you know, I liked last year. Uh, Matt Wright uh, was their top LSM as a freshman. Uh, you know, he should be good as well. And I mentioned this UNC team has had a lot of young guys, and they'll still see some of that this year um, as well. Kenton Johnson, I believe he was a sophomore last year. He's been their starter um, since the 29th, since well, he started the final six games of the 2019 season, has never left the cage. Um, he had around a 50% save percentage last year. You know, it, he's a decent goaltender. You know, I don't think he's the best in the ACC, but he, he's certainly decent. He certainly is capable of, uh, of doing what's needed to be done. At the faceoff dot, just talked about how Duke has three very good options. I think UNC has one very good option, and that is Zach Tusi. I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, New Hampshire native. He's been their primary guy since his freshman season. Uh, he's a junior this year. Was 28th in the nation last year as a face-off percentage, uh, going 58%. So I, I, I look to see him improve and, and, and get better. And one thing I do want to mention is uh, Carolina, you know, they there's a very there's a lot of experienced talent, um, some younger experienced talent as well on this roster heading into 2021. Uh, but they also bring in a very strong freshman class. Um, highlighted, highlighted by uh, Cole Herbert, who is ranked as the number two player in the class by Inside Lacrosse. Oh, excuse me, number three player, I should say. Number three player uh, by IL. Um, obviously, they lost Daniel Kelly, who flipped from UNC to um, Maryland back in, I want to say that was like May or um, April. So they lost him. But I do think a lot of these other guys, uh, very, very good players, very capable players. So we'll see how things shake out with this freshman class. They bring in Cole Herbert. I've seen him play multiple times. Solid player. Should be able to kind of, uh, should be able to translate to the next level uh, fairly. It's never easy, but he should be able to get it done. Now, next up, we move over to Northern Indiana and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, where, and I, I'm going to say this about every team, like, they're locked and loaded. Like, they, they, um, trying to think of an analogy here. Um, Kevin Corgan cocked that gun back, and he's ready to shoot it at anyone who comes their way. Um, I mean, this is a team that, I think Notre Dame is probably, you know, Duke is the most improved team through the transfer portal. 
Notre Dame is the second most improved team through the transfer portal. Duke's the transfer portal champions. Notre Dame, they came just in second. The Irish, while they did lose Brian Costabile uh, last year, uh, this is an offense that, you know, I am, I've been critical of Notre Dame's offense in the past in saying it's too slow. Um, I think it is pretty slow, to be honest with y'all. Um, but they've got just, I mean, they, they stack talent. Like, they've stacked talent this offseason. And, like, I'm going to talk about the two pen guys. I know y'all waiting for him to talk about that. Um, but on the offensive end, Will York and Sean Leahy, from Bucknell and Providence, are fifth-year guys. As well, York is a attackman, uh, was third in the nation in goals per game last year. Sean Leahy, a midfielder uh, from Providence, I think he can also I think he played attack a bit as well. Providence, and then David Lipka, uh, midfielder out of Syracuse. Leahy was the Flyers Flyers' second leading uh, point getter last season. And Lipko was part of one of the best midfield units in the nation uh, at Syracuse. Bringing in you know, these three guys just instantly improves that offense. Which, by the way, wasn't necessarily bad to begin with talent-wise. Uh, Griffin Westland will be a junior. You have Pat Cavanaugh, who ripped it up as a freshman last year at the attack spot, and a senior Wheaton Jacka boys, who I'm excited to see what he can do as a senior. I've liked his game throughout his career. We'll see how much of a step he can take uh, as a senior. Pat Cavanaugh, uh, this is a guy coming in, I think he came from Chaminade. He's obviously the younger brother of Matt Cavanaugh. There's another Cavanaugh. Coming, who's at Taft now, um, I believe it, uh, Chris Cavanaugh is coming in the 2021 class. So Pat and Chris will be playing with each other in 2022 at Notre Dame. We'll see how that uh, how that ends up. That should be fun to watch. But talking 2020, Pat Cavanaugh, I think is we're going to see him take a big jump. Uh, big jump this year, 10 goals, 6 assists. Uh, you know, he had a lot of success last season. And I think Notre Dame, you know, they flew under the radar a lot because in season last year, because they ended the season on like a, what's it, three, five-game losing streak it was, I think. And so a lot of people, I don't want to say vote them off, but were kind of like, well, you know, it's it, it's what we thought it was going to be. I mean, they beat Cleveland State, they beat Richmond, and then they lose to Den- to Maryland, Denver, and Ohio State. And Ohio State, they're a good team. They weren't, you know, anything special last year. Um, it's not like they lost to Princeton. It's not like they lost to Syracuse, to one of these teams that was hot and had all the talent in the world. It's not like they did that. So I think that's why a lot of people, even this offseason, have been kind of quiet about Notre Dame. But they pick up those transfers at the uh, at, at on the offensive end. 
and things could be looking up on that offense this year. And I mentioned Pat Cavanaugh, big fan of his. Thinks think he'll uh, hop. Think he will take a step forward. Uh, and I'm really interested to see what Wesleyan and Jacoboyce can do as a junior and a senior. On the defensive end, the Irish added Kyle uh, Thornton, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, defenseman out of Penn. And then uh, face-off dot, they got Kyle Gallagher, who, I mean, the biggest, the, 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 the biggest transfer that Notre Dame has gotten probably in the history of the school. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I mean, he transferred from Hofstra to Penn, immediately changed the direction, the course of that Penn team in 2019. He is the sole, not the sole reason, but he is a primary reason why they went on that run in 2019. And, you know, I mentioned people always criticize, including myself, Notre Dame and their offense being stale and not fun to watch. You get Kyle Gallagher in there. Winning the winning the faceoff at the percentage that he has been doing at Hofstra and at Penn, he is 65% uh, last season. I mean, I mean, you cannot tell me this. You know, the, the the speed of this offense is going to go up. Uh, Kyle Thornton on the defensive end. You know, he's a guy. Um, he's been a starter for the past two seasons for. Uh, for Penn, a full-time starter in 2019 and 2020. He's been a solid guy, a solid defenseman. Uh, he joins a unit with Jack Kilty, I believe is how you pronounce his name, who uh, is back for the fifth season. Uh, Tommy McNamara is a midfielder. He's back for the fifth season. And Charles Leonard, who is a pole uh, but uh, took face-offs, is back for the fifth season as well. Uh, so we'll see, you know, with the addition of the two pen transfers and these guys, they have come back for the fifth season, especially Kielty. Uh, McNamara, I forgot to mention him when I was talking about the offense. Uh, he's their best midfielder, I uh, believe, coming back. Uh, so we'll see how all of that shakes out. Looking deeper into this offense, uh, into this defense, uh, Arden Cohen has been a guy uh, who's been he's been the top defenseman over the past couple seasons. Uh, I would expect it to be Thornton, Kilty, and Cohen, and then they'd probably put um, what's his name uh, Leonard at uh, LSM or put a short stick in his hand or whatever. Uh, is kind of what I would expect them to do. Um, I think Leonard's been in LSM until last year or whatever. Uh, so we'll see where they put him with Gallagher in there. Maybe he stays at the faceoff dot as a uh, as a backup to Gallagher, but he's certainly not of that of that ilk uh, at the faceoff dot as Gallagher is. Um, Carson Cochran, I think, is a guy who we could see maybe step up a bit more uh, as a senior uh, at the uh, on the defensive end with Notre Dame. Uh, but the biggest the biggest Question mark for me, for Notre Dame. I talk about Gallagher. I talk about how this defense is going to be solid, as they always are. This offense is going to be better. Biggest question for me, 
biggest question. Liam Intamin. He was a freshman last year. I thought he played fine. I thought he played fine. But specifically that Denver game, when he gets pulled, he gets pulled in that Denver game. And I took some criticism for saying this. He looked like a freshman. I get he was an Under Armour All-American. He had stars next to his name. Oh my gosh, he has stars. Stars don't mean anything when you get onto a college campus. They will eat you, chew you up, and spit you out if you cannot succeed. Liam Intamin is a good goalie. He started and went 51% last year for the Irish. But you still got Matt Schmidt there. He was the starter in 2018 and 2019. Was the number two guy last year. And, as I mentioned, you know, Intamin and Schmidt both kind of struggled against Denver. And that was the game where, I think that was the game where things started to fall apart for this Notre Dame team last year. So we'll see how that position battle goes in cage. But that's that's the number one thing I'm looking for, for with this Notre Dame team, is how does Liam Intamin respond to a, I wouldn't call it a lackluster season, obviously, because he was a freshman and he played well, but to a up-and-down freshman season. How does he grow? Uh, do they start him in cage or do they put Schmidt there? Um, but Notre Dame, definitely, you know, overall a deep team um, in multiple positions. I don't think they're as deep as some people want to claim they are. Um, and by people, uh, you know, some people I've talked to told me things that maybe little out in the left field, but um, we'll see how they do. I think they should be decent. The, going up to the capital of lacrosse. Man, I hope I don't take any heat for saying that. Um, upstate New York, the Carrier Dome, the Syracuse Orange. You know, 2019, I lose to Loyola in the first round. Second straight first round exit. NCAA tournament speaking. They did a 180 degree turn. In the span of less than a year. And they are serious NCAA title contenders. They were last year. They will be again this year. Pat March, he's brought a new new life to that offense. Chase Scanlon um, being the number one guy there at the attack spot. Now, he played very well last season. Tucker Dordovic. Had that foot injury in 2019. Boom, he pops off uh, as, a, as, a, as a solid player again in 2020. And I mentioned the Syracuse midfield is outstanding. And they were last year, and they will be again this year. Jamie Trimboli is coming back. Um, the top midfielder, I think he was their number one scorer last season. Um, you know, I, I mentioned uh, Scanlon coming back at, excuse me, at the attack spot. They also have Stephen Rafis back there. Uh, he had 18 assists last season. I mean, one of the best, one of the better, more underrated passers in the game, uh, believe it or not. And uh, Brendan Curry and Bordovic, as I mentioned, at the midfield spot. 
and uh, came up with an article actually today, recording this on Monday night, listing the top midfields in the country coming into 2021. And Syracuse is in that mix. Again, as they were last year. Now, I didn't rank these units, but I just kind of uh, put top five in there. And uh, Syracuse, you know, they're, they're on the list. They are on the list, uh, as is Duke. Jacob Buttermore uh, is back as well. Uh, he had four goals last year. Love that last name, by the way. I mean, come on. Uh, Griffin Cook at the attack spot. And then you have uh, Lucas Quinn, who's a senior as well, um, coming back. So we'll see um, how this offense does kind of second year under Pat March. But, you know, I, I can't see them taking a step back at all, especially with the amount of seniors they have back on that end. Now, the one – now, I, I do think Syracuse has the best – Defense in the ACC. I mentioned that. There's a reason for that. Like, yes, they do lose some solid pieces. Nick Mellon, who, you no, know, he was out most of the last season with an injury, but he's the best defenseman. People don't realize they were still the 11th best defense in the country last year, like, tied with, with uh, Navy. Like, people don't realize that. Um, you know, Drake, uh, Drake Porter. Best, best Canadian goalie in college lacrosse since Dylan Ward. Yes, I said that. Um, Drake Porter coming back. I think that even if they would have replaced every pole and you get Drake Porter back, I mean, he is the most, I don't want to say most underrated, but he is the one of the best goalies in the country that people don't talk enough about. He's the heart and soul of this defense. And they're going to be good this year, no matter who's back there, because he's in cage. Brett Kennedy's the top returning pole. Nick DiPetrio is back. And then they added two solid guys in Nick Hapney, a defenseman out of Utah. Loved his game when I saw him last year. And then Mitch Wyckoff, who, uh, coming out of Division Three Gettysburg, is a grad transfer. You know... I think, I can't remember who wrote this um, from Inside and Lacrosse. Dan Kaplan. He's, uh, he, I always use this quote in articles about, about Syracuse and Wyckoff. He said, he's a plug, it was something along the lines of, he's a plug-and-play defenseman wherever, like whatever the level. And that, that's true. Like Wyckoff is a guy that I think a lot of Syracuse fans you know, may, might not be too familiar with playing at the Division Three level, but y'all gonna grow to love this guy. Um, he does a lot of different stuff, not only as an LSM on the defensive side, but in transition as well. And honestly, you could put him at close too. Like you could, he's that kind of versatile LSM, uh, a Jared Connors type, where put him wherever. Um, a, a least Eddie type, put him wherever uh, kind of guy. So Syracuse is going to like him this year. Peter Doth coming back for the fifth year as well at the short stick defensive midfield spot. And then Brandon, I'm going to but I always butcher this last name, Aviles, I believe it is, uh, had a strong freshman campaign. He'll be back as well. Um, 
to me, I just kind of went through this entire Syracuse roster, um, at least the top portion of it. I don't see, I don't see any way that this Syracuse team doesn't isn't in the picture for contending for a title this year. Um, you know, I, I I think probably a lot of people, you know, they probably return the most of any team in the upper echelon of college lacrosse in terms of talent coming back. Like, and that's even with Mellon going and Lipka going. Um, they return the most talent. Moving on to the defending national champions. Yes, they are the defending national champions, the Virginia Cavaliers. Um, look, offensively speaking, those you know, this is a team that I think I talk about Duke and how there's so many weapons they can use and and, and deploy in various uh, spots. Virginia is in a similar situation, but not as deep, obviously. Virginia, and what I mean by similar situation is there's various things they can do. You lose Doc Aiken, Michael Krause ain't coming back. And yeah, Doc Aiken, U.S. Lacrosse Magazine reported uh, late November, it won't be returning to Virginia. So if that's news to y'all, that's news to y'all. Ain't news to me. With that said, I I don't think I I think losing Klaus is obviously huge. Having him go pro, and then losing Aiken is obviously huge. And I've talked about this before, though. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like I honestly don't. Um, you add a versatile lefty attackman in Charlie Bertrand, Merrimack grad transfer, D2 player of the year, twice, and then had a solid season, 23 points last year, 18 goals, 5 assists, during Merrimack's first um, season as a D1 program. And then, look, Connor Schellenberger, I I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. You know, is he going to break out in 2021 like everyone expects? I'm of the belief that he will, and I think he will break out at the midfield position because I think, you know, when you're looking at this attack, I think you are putting, um, you're not putting Cormier there, you're putting, I, I would probably put Cormier there if Bertrand didn't come. But with Bertrand coming, I put Botron, Matt Moore, and Ian Laviano there. And then Peyton Cormier and Connor Schellenberger are my top two midfielders. Like that, like that's what I would do. And then Xander Dixon. People forget about him. I think he was a top two guy, maybe the number one guy in the twenty nineteen in the twenty eighteen class. He had a Solid freshman season in 2019. Missed last season with a leg injury, I believe it was. Um, well, it was I don't know if, it was, if they ever said what it was, but um, did miss last year with an injury. So he'll, he'll be, he's a redshirt sophomore now. Coming back from that injury, 
could be a bounce back year for him. And Xander Dixon put him at the midfield. I, I really don't care. Cormier, Schaumberger, Dixon. I put him at midfield. I mean, who, who the heck cares? Um, you know, I don't think this midfield is as deep. Obviously, Cormier is a solid guy at that spot, but he's a natural attackman. Um, I think he'll bounce. I think he'll be bumped down to attack as a junior. Um, I think the same could probably be said for Schaumberger. Um, would be bumped down to attack as a junior, or would it be redshirt sophomore? Because uh, he redshirted last year. Technically, everybody did, didn't they? Um, so Virginia, there's a lot of different realms they can go on offense, and I I do like the offense um, a lot. Obviously, what we've seen with Sean Cohen, Wallace Tiffany teams in the past, a solid poll, not specifically an LSM, but a poll that can play two ways. Get the ball down the field fast. We want fast offense. We want early offense. That's Jared Connors, my friends. Jared Connors, the best LSM in the nation, the motor of this Cavaliers defense, and to be honest, their best defenseman. Yes, I said that. Best defenseman. His skill, IQ, prowessness on both ends is, I mean, it it is outstanding and it is blasphemous that he is he has not been in the Tualatin conversation over the past two seasons. I know what I'm gonna make that a thing this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make that a thing. I'm gonna make that a thing. Jared Connors Tualatin. I saw I can't remember who it was. Someone did that last year. I, I I'm gonna hop on board this year. Jared Connors for Tualatin. It's Michael Sowers to lose, and he'll lose it to Jared Connors. Um, but. Connor's the best guy on the back end, and he's been outstanding. Just go watch his film, and it, I mean, I, I watch his film. I've watched it multiple times over this entire extended off season, and it, it just it blows you away. Um, Alex Road comes back in cage uh, at fifty five percent save percentage. Uh, you know, he won them a, a national title, so you know we'll see how he does this year. As a junior, and then I've mentioned this before. I I'm hesitant on this Virginia defense. I think they're good, but not great. And I say that because they have some young, unproven young guys who have proven they can play at that at the ACC level. But I haven't seen them do it consistently. So I want to see that consistency there. Uh, I'm not saying this team, this defense can't be good, but I'm a little hesitant on them right now. Uh, Kyle Ecology is the best defenseman. Obviously, he's a senior. And then you have Scott Bauer and Quentin uh, Matusi, uh, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, both sophomores. Uh, excuse me, Bauer is a sophomore. And Matusi, uh, uh, Bauer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bauer is a, yeah, they're both sophomores. Okay, I was thinking Matusi was a uh, was a freshman uh, was a freshman this year. Uh, they are both sophomores. Uh, Bauer and Matusi, both sophomores, started all six game as freshmen. All six games as freshmen last year. Uh, the two proved to be very capable. Uh, 
But those are the two guys. And look, I've been in the Scott Bauer bandwagon since he was in high school uh, down in Texas. I think he went to Episcopal, Episcopal School Dallas, uh, believes where he went. Shout out Coach Southern uh, down there. Um, and so I've been on his the kind of Scott Bauer bandwagon since then. And I think he's going to be a very good college defenseman. He's shown that he can do that. 15 ground balls, one cost turnover last season. I just want to see more production out of him. I want to see more production out of Matusi. And uh, I, th- I think we should get that this year. Uh, but I have to see it before I believe it. And then uh, Cade Sostad, a redshirt sophomore, will be back after uh, being out last season with an injury. And probably the biggest name that y'all wondering why I haven't mentioned him yet. Just waited till the last part of this to mention the faceoff position. Petey LaSala. Um, I mean, what can you say about him? You know, finished the season. Last year wasn't his best year. I will give him that. He had a bit of a sophomore slump um, last year. And obviously we didn't get a full season. But he had a bit of a sophomore slump for how impressive his freshman campaign was certainly down the stretch when they won that title. Um, I, there's no reason to believe that he can't turn out another strong season in 2021. So I am very, very confident in P.D. LaSala coming into the 2021 season. Now, let's get into my predictions for where these teams will finish. Drum roll, we need to do that. Um, no. Um, number one, Duke. I don't think there's any question about it. They, they're just better. They, they are better than everyone else, and it's not even fun. Number two, Syracuse. Mention how many guys they bring back. And I honestly do think they're probably the only defense right now that could maybe compete with Duke's offense in the ACC. I'm not saying the others can't, because I think they certainly can. But right now, looking at it on paper, they might be the only defense that matches up. And they still have some holes to fix. Like, don't get me wrong about that. But I do think Syracuse. And that offense, what Pat March has done there, is phenomenal. Um... What we saw last year was phenomenal. But Duke and Syracuse, I think, are the, like, it's not even a question. The top two teams, not only in the ACC, but in the country, right, coming into the season, I don't think there's any question about it. Do you want to mention, three to five, so these last three teams here, could all be number three. Like, I, I almost did just do, you know, Virginia slash Notre Dame slash North Carolina. Um here, but I didn't. And number three, I'm going with Notre Dame. And the reason I'm picking the Irish is simply the additions they've made. Thornton and Gallagher, Leahy, uh, Lipka, and uh, York. Just the additions they've made on both sides of the field and at the faceoff dot, I, I think puts them over the top over these other two teams. Uh, I have Virginia at three um, and UNC at five. 
Now, I want to be clear about this. Virginia and UNC both have stellar talents. They both have unbelievable talented offenses. I do have questions about their defenses, though. Um, I have more questions about those defenses, and can they can they prove to me that they're capable against elite talent day in and day out? I have more questions around that part of it with both UNC and Virginia than I do with Duke and Syracuse and, uh, to a lesser extent, Notre Dame. I, I have questions about Notre Dame, Notre Dame on both ends, but I have the least amount of questions uh, of these bottom three teams with Notre Dame. So Duke, Syracuse, Notre Dame, Virginia, and UNC. That is how I'm going to predict the that's how I'm going to predict the ACC play out. Again, we don't know what the schedules are going to look like, uh, how many games teams are going to play, how many road games they're going to get, conference games, whatever. But I'm picking Duke, no preseason here, Duke, number one, Syracuse, number two, Virginia, excuse me, Notre Dame, number three, Virginia, number four, and North Carolina, Number five. As always, guys, thank you all for tuning in to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. We will be back with you all on Thursday to cover uh, our next conference, which is the America East. Have a great rest of the week, and I will see you all on Thursday.